Hi, y'all. My name is Kennedy Tippins. Welcome back to my podcast, Rooted. Happy late Easter, I guess, everyone. I, like most of you, have probably been thinking about just this time, and it's so, it's such an amazing part of kind of our walk with Jesus. This is, as Christians, our most important uh, I guess it's not really a holiday. It is a holiday, but it's kind of our most important time to kind of reflect and just be mindful about kind of a huge, not kind of, very a huge, crucial part of our walk with God is Jesus dying for our sins. And I, um, I went to church on Sunday, and I also went to church tonight. Tonight being. Uh, it's Tuesday, I guess. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, yesterday, um, and I have just been flooded with all the different stories from the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And you could tell it from a million different ways. You could tell it plain and simple. You can dissect it. You can get all into it. And I'm going to kind of combine all of the different sermons I've heard and kind of pull bits and pieces from it. And hopefully you guys know the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, but we're going to dive a little deeper into it today. So with that being said, let's get on into it. So I absolutely love Easter, like with all my heart, everything about it. First of all, ham is my favorite food. Um, I don't know if y'all remember me saying that in one of the very earlier episodes of this. I absolutely love ham and ham. We have it every single Easter. We have it for most holidays because I beg my mom to make it every year. But I think that Easter is like the Met Gala for Christians. Like I was sitting back on Sunday and just watching all the girls, all the guys go by and I was dissecting everything they had on, like the colors and just how modest a lot of us can make it. Like, I feel like we think a lot of times that we have to dress immodestly to be cute and to, you know, not be cute, but I mean, kind of to be cute, but to look nice. And no, like I watched this one girl walk past me like four million times. She had this short black hair and this long floral dress with these pretty sleeves. And she was gorgeous. I looked at my friend and I was like, did you see that girl go by? Like, oh my goodness. Like, I just love looking at everyone's outfits and seeing what different personalities go with which outfits. Like for me, I had on this like cute little white dress with kind of an open back and it was a little bit shorter. It wasn't super short, but my friend had on this long black dress and she has like a lot of tattoos and really dark curly hair and then I so we were like complete opposite like I was all light with some gold jewelry and like my my little blonde hair and like my bangs were down and then she was like dark and like not mysterious but I just thought it was funny anyways um so we went to church and I got to hang out with some of my extended family, my sisters down south, down further south, I should say. So I'm going to kind of hop right on into this and kind of give you a quick rundown of the story. Normally when I tell stories, 
I give kind of just the sped up version and then we start to break it down. So pretty much at this point, they are accusing Jesus. They want him to go before Pilate, I believe it is, and they want him to be arrested. And uh, Pilate is like, well, what are the charges? And they basically just say he's starting riots, he's causing problems. And they offered for Jesus to take the place of an actual criminal and let the criminal go free. So Pilate was like, take your pick, you know, which which one do you want to go free? They let go a very infamous criminal. He had had all different types of charges, and his name was Barabbas. Apparently, he had been there quite a long time, I think, and he was kind of in and out of prison. Um, but his name was Barabbas. And uh, so he took Barabbas's spot and I hope you know kind of the logistics of it. They they charged him, they gave him a cross, he had to carry the cross, and then they made him a crown of thorns and they mocked him, they called him king of the Jews, and they nailed his hands and his feet onto the cross and that's how they hung him up there. And they uh, were just mocking him, making fun of him, they were yelling at him, cussing at him, spitting on him. Every time... I, I think about it. I get emotional. Like you just get to a point in your walk with Jesus where you truly, truly start to under start, not fully start to understand what this means for us. And oh, it makes me so emotional. So they crucified him. Now, what I found interesting is in, uh, oh, maybe it was Luke, uh, Luke chapter 23, chapter 24. I don't exactly remember, but one of those chapters, it says that they started to crucify him. And then after a while of that, he died. And in my head, every time I thought about the crucifixion of Jesus, I included death in that crucifixion. But when I looked up the definition of crucifixion, it isn't to kill someone. It is basically, oh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's basically the action of nailing him to the cross and uh, making fun of him, making him. So it's not death necessarily. Death kind of grows from crucifixion. You don't just die from nothing, you know, like it is the torture and the loss of blood, I'm guessing, and the injuries and just wearing your body down. That is crucifixion. Um, So, I kind of want to break this down a little more for you. So after the crucifixion, he died. Um, they were doing brutal things to him. They, The guards were gambling for his clothing. They wanted him to be naked on there to shame him. The guards offered him something to drink, and it ended up being, I think it was sour wine. In my head, I always thought it was vinegar. I don't know where I got that from. Uh, but in my head, I was like, what's something really terrible that they could do? And it'd be like, oh, offer him water and it would be vinegar. Like, I don't know what sour wine tastes like. Uh, maybe it tastes like vinegar. Anyways, so they get him off of the cross. They put him in this tomb, this, um, kind of cave-ish like stuff, if you will. And this tomb is meant to keep things in. Um, a, not as much keep things out because 
in the Jewish culture, they had uh, this ritual of preparing the body for not the afterlife necessarily, but preparing the body afterwards and just kind of honoring it. I haven't done too much research into the uh, after death um, preparations of the body uh, from the Jewish culture, but basically there was this ritual where the women would go in and put herbs and uh, like lotion, not lotions, but herbs and oils and stuff on the bodies after they had passed. So it was more to keep stuff in. I don't know if it was to keep like spirits or something in, but pretty much it's this huge tomb, not like a gravestone type, but like a cave. And there's this huge um, boulder in front of it. I want to say like this really heavy rock. Anyways, so three days pass. The people are mourning and the disciples, I don't want to say the disciples are falling apart, but you know, you go through the whole thing. The di- the disciples start denying him. They Judas had sold him out to the to the guards. Like everything's kind of just falling apart. And then three days later, Jesus came back to life. And he was walking and in that kind of area, the, the tombstone was rolled away and nobody recognized him. Mary thought he was the gardener. He was right in front of her face and she didn't recognize him. He walked along two people. I don't remember if they were disciples or they had heard what was going on and they knew everything that was going on. And he walked with them for seven miles and they did not know that he was Jesus. They were telling him about Jesus's death. They were telling him about his own death and he, they didn't recognize him. So let's, let's kind of, I'm going to kind of tell you my thoughts on this because that's what we normally do. Um, my thoughts are almost always backed up by biblical beliefs, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just my thoughts that I'm still working through and still trying to find answers to. So in uh, the sermon that I was told on Sunday, I was at City Hope. I don't remember the pastor's name, but I was at City Hope in Alabama, Mobile, Alabama. And he said, the cross is pointless without the resurrection. In the story, Jesus dies on the cross. And it's like, it's a big deal. That is the Messiah. He is who he said he is. He worked miracles on this earth and he died. And he died for no reason. He didn't do anything wrong. They lied about what he did. They, he did not do anything wrong. So that would have been pointless if there wouldn't have been a resurrection. Because at that point, it's just the son of God dying, you know, and that's the end of the story. But God had a better story. And I also want to say that the resurrection is pointless without the cross. Because if Jesus would have just died and not gone through everything he went through, then there would have been no justification for our sins. There would have been nowhere for our sins to go. And I la- I always thought that the nails represented our sins. And I know that the nails didn't stay on the cross with Jesus. In my head, when I was a kid, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense because the nails stay on the cross and Jesus didn't. But when they took Jesus down from the cross, I'm sure that the nails came down with it. 
but the holes didn't. The holes stood. The holes stayed. And that's kind of what I think about. And I don't know, man. It's just, it's just hard to think about like everything I've ever done. I've lied. I've cheated. I've stole. I've been addicted. I've fallen short of the love of God and the forgiveness of God almost every single day. Like I've not gone one single day being perfect. I've cussed. I've said horrible things to people. And it stayed on the cross. And Jesus did not stay on the cross. Something about the cross is I think that sometimes the cross becomes the idol instead of the person that came off of it. Do you ever think about that? Like, do we idolize the cross itself instead of the story about how the cross was used? The cross, the cross is where evil is stored. The cross is what is used to hold up criminals, people that were bad people that had done horrible things, murdered, and just the cross was used as a as a signal and a beacon of wrongdoing. And so, I mean, I'm not one to sit here and be like, we need to quit idolizing the cross. We do need to stop idolizing the cross itself instead of the person that came off of it. I think sometimes we're so focused on the sins and our our portion of the story of the resurrection when Jesus is at the center of it. And maybe we're like Mary and those two men that we're walking along where he's right in front of our face, but we can't see him because we're so blindsided by the grief and the disappointment that we are blinded. And I mean, I have a cross tattooed behind my ear and I love the cross and I love what it represents. I don't love the fact that Jesus had to get on there. I don't love the fact that my sins are nailed to it through an innocent man. Our sins went straight through Jesus and they stayed on that cross and he came down. Ooh. I think sometimes we lower the power of Jesus to fit our own understandings. When we can't understand that we are fully forgiven in Jesus' name because he died on the cross for us, we start to lower our expectations of what he can actually do. And we start to become, I'm going to use Mary as an example. We start to become like Mary. Mary was so blinded in her own understanding of the situation that he had died. And what I can't blame her because When God doesn't handle something the way that I would have wanted him to handle it, then I'm disappointed. And then my disappointment blinds me to seeing that God actually did answer my prayers, just not in the way that I thought was best. And, um, oh, I do that all the time. I, I do that all the time. The cross isn't the story Jesus is. The resurrection is the story. He came back. He came back. I was thinking about the other day. I was like, well, I've invited Jesus into my heart, you know? So I was just, yeah, I was just kind of reminiscing on that. I've invited Jesus into my heart, 
but I don't act like it. Sometimes, most of the time, I don't act like it. Think about the last time you invited a friend over to your house and then you close the door in their face and they didn't get to come in. When you invite someone over to your house, here, I'm gonna give you an example of a perfect, not perfect, of a perfect example. I'll use perfect example. She's not perfect, but she's a perfect example of a Proverbs 31 woman is my amazing mentor, Angie, Angie Mack. Um, I went over to her house today. I just texted her. I was like, hey, like I'm in the area and I have to burn some time. I would love to see you. And she was like, yes, come over for lunch. And I was like, okay. So I got there. She opened the door with big arms open wide open for me and she wrapped me up in this hug and she was like I have all this food out for you and she set out food and she wanted to make me coffee she wanted to play games with me she asked me about my life and how I was doing she asked me about certain friendships she knew I was struggling with she asked me about certain things that I was excited about in my life and she was checking in on me faith-wise and checking in on my podcast she was loving me to the best she could which was fulfilling for me because she loves like God. And I realized that she invited me over and she acted like it. She acted out that invitation. I cannot even tell y'all how many times I've invited Jesus into my heart and then I've closed the door when he got there. Jesus comes where he's invited. So if he's not in your house, then you invited him, but you didn't take the the steps to actually let him into your house, let him into your heart. I probably accepted Jesus a million times when I was little, just not knowing what it meant, you know? And I'm not saying it wasn't legitimate. It was 100% legitimate, but I kept inviting him without understanding the actions I had to take. You know, like you can invite him to the front of your door all day long, but are you going to open it and let him in and let him sit down? And something that me and Miss Angie were doing is we were talking, we were discussing, we were walking through life together. She knew what was happening in my life. She was giving me counsel, wise counsel straight out of the Bible. She was showing me how to live. She was telling me stories about her life so that I could kind of take how she handled situations and apply them to my own situations. We don't invite friends in and then shut the door before they get to enter. We don't slam in their face. You invite them in, you feed them, you talk and you enjoy the comfort of being in the presence of that other individual. That, that is what it means to have Jesus in your heart. And what is super hard for me to understand is that Jesus wants me to have a clean, pure heart. And I can't have that until I nail my sins upon the cross. There is a song, it's called Back to Life. And it is by, uh, oof, I want to say it's Bethel. Here, I'm about to pull it up. Um, yeah, it's Back to Life. It's by Bethel. And the lyrics says, no longer I who live but Christ in me. For I have been born again, my heart is free. The hope of heaven before me, the grave behind, hallelujah, you brought me back to life. Then it proceeds to say, 
out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. And then it basically goes on and on. And then my favorite part of the song, it says, when something says I'm guilty, I'll point to the price you paid. When something says I'm not worthy, I'll point to that empty grave. Just like Lazarus, you brought me back to life. And then when you get to the end of the song, it starts to say, the enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. Ooh, that's so hard because there have been so many times where I'm in the wrong in a situation or I am, yeah, I'm just, I'm in the wrong. I've done it wrong. I've fallen short and I've asked for forgiveness or I've asked for a better understanding so that I can be better. And when it's not given to me, I have asked God for forgiveness and I've gotten it because everything that I've ever done stayed on that cross. And I continue to put things on that cross and I'll never understand why I'm able to do that or why God allows me to do that and why Jesus did that for me. All I can understand is that God loves me and I'm leaning not on my own understanding of things, but on him and what he says about me. And the amount of times that people have tried to pin things from my past on me and all I have to do is point to that empty grave, point to that cross. I have 70 times seven tattooed on my wrist, which is the forgiveness passage. And I have the cross behind my ear because it's important for me to remember that I am forgiven. I need to forgive. And that's important to me because I can I can sin and I can mess up and I can fall short, but I can also be forgiven. Uh, I think that they said the only unforgivable sin is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That, I'm not going to go into that in this episode, but think about all the other things that they're saying are forgivable sins. I was weeping in the car um, on the way to my house like an hour ago. And I was just praying and prophesying over my life and what I wanted God to take out of it. Um, The uh, first season of Rooted, a little bit of announcement moment here. The first season of Rooted is about to come to an end. Uh, We might have two or three episodes left in it, maybe five, if I can kind of get some stuff together in time and if the Lord allows me to. But season two, I'm not going to drop the name yet, but season two is pretty much going to be a season about prophesying things over your life and getting rid of things that shouldn't be in there and, you know, getting rid of sins that have no place in your heart and in your life and in your walk with Jesus. And I'm super excited to get into it. Um, There's going to be a big future for my podcast Rooted, and I'm really excited that you guys are walking through it with me. Happy Easter. He is risen. 
He is risen indeed. And the only thing that stayed in that tomb was our sins and our debt. It's paid. That is good news. Walk in life with the good news. And every time someone tells you you are not worthy, point to that empty grave. I hope you all have an amazing week. Um, I'm going to be praying for all of you this week, you know, like I just, oof, it's getting that time in that school year where everyone's super busy and everyone's super stressed. Graduation for me is coming up. I'm stressed all the time, uh, constantly, but just, you know, go live your life with no chains on you. Go live in Jesus name and bless you and have an amazing week. Like I already said. And yeah, I'll see you guys next week.